0: Well it's that common fantasy football dilemma. You're sitting there in round, I don't know, four, whatever. It doesn't matter what round, you're deciding between three or four different players, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, maybe David Montgomery is in there, and you say, Well, who's got the highest upside? But who's the safest? Who has the highest floor? If the answer to both of those questions is ever the same player, that's the player you should be drafting. But we're going to have those debates at different spots in the draft according to average draft position. Right now on Fantasy Football Today on your Thursday edition. It is Wednesday morning as we record this right now. If there's any breaking news throughout the day on Wednesday, I'm sure we'll have a little red siren and a bonus podcast for you. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and welcoming Chris Towers to the show for the first time this week. What's up, Chris?
1: Hey. Hey. How's it going? Oh, right. It's early. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me out. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the show. First time, long time, but I'm really happy to be here and then you know get this opportunity.
0: Well, it's really the pleasure's all ours. Uh we're gonna thanks, start with man. a new game, a new segment called One Good Stat, One Bad Stat. I've got hmm, three players. Sounds here. Sounds familiar. I resent that. I had the uh-huh. I I know I had the idea for this before Heath tweeted it.
1: I had the uh the um just that's, yeah, that's not how it works, right? You know, that's not like, like y- y- just saying like I had an idea for magical space weather wizards fighting against an authoritarian government in 1975, and George like George Lucas still put it out there, you know. Adam, <laughs> I had the non-fungible token. That's what I was going for before Heath tweeted the one good stat, one bad
0: stat. Here we go. Chris Godwin <laughs> is first up. I'm going to be a good stat and a bad stat. You're going to give me analysis. He's wide receiver 17 and ADP. Chris Godwin, the good stat. Tampa Bay has been top six in pass attempts for three straight seasons, and Godwin has been on pace for nine or ten touchdowns per 16 games, two straight seasons. The bad stat, in the last seven games of the year, not including Week 17 when Mike Evans got hurt, so just looking at the healthy games with Evans and Brown, Godwin was only on pace for 978 yards, seven touchdowns on 110 targets. That's okay. It's probably not going to return wide receiver 17 value. So that's your good stat and your bad stat, Dave. Break it down. So I, I
2: look at Godwin as one of those safe floor type of receivers. Uh, I, I like the fact that when he averaged 15.4 PPR points per game last year, uh, he actually hit the 15-plus PPR point mark in 7 of 12 games. Uh, that was wide receiver 10 in terms of consistency. And he also had a safe floor in non-PPR, 10 points per game in non. There are too many mouths to feed in this offense. It's hard to imagine him having a huge year where he gets 130-plus targets. I think that number will come down. His receiving average also went down last year, and I think that was just a byproduct of him being that short to mid-range target for Tom Brady. Volume helps everybody in this offense to a degree because they throw it as much, like you said, but I don't see the case for him being an upside play. I think when you draft him, you do it as a solid number two fantasy wide receiver who you're hoping for delivers anywhere from 12 to 17 PPR points per game.
1: Chris? Yeah, the Probably. thing that makes the Buccaneers offense so tough is this. This really is an offense that ideally you want some part of because they should score a ton of points. The problem is, one, when you look at them before the season and you try to figure out, you know, you try to project who's going to get what, it's really hard to make any of the, you know, all of these guys worth what they're currently going for. But if Antonio Brown misses 10 games, or in the running back side, if Leonard Fournette misses 10 games, all of a sudden the guys who are remaining are going to be so, so, so much more valuable. So it's it's kind of a high floor in the most likely scenario, high upside in the best case scenario. And there's, there's not a ton of ways things can necessarily go wrong for all of them unless their 43-year-old quarterback gets hurt. So, you know, it's... I don't typically draft anyone from Tampa Bay just because I kind of want to avoid the headache, but I I think there is significant upside. It's just it it probably requires someone getting hurt.
0: All right, Uh, our next one will be Aaron Jones. I do want to remind you, though, the Tokyo Olympics are finally here after being delayed a year, and the brand-new Attacking Third podcast is your audio home for the most comprehensive U.S. women's national team soccer coverage. Hosts Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman will provide previews and immediate recaps bright and early as soon as the U.S. women's national team matches wrap up in the morning. So download and follow Attacking Third wherever you listen to this podcast. All right, Aaron Jones, he's running back 11 and ADP. Here's your good stat on Aaron Jones. In 2019, well, I'll just sum it up. He's played uh, six games in the last two years without Jamal Williams, and he's had 25 catches. That is a 67-catch pace in the six games he's played without Jamal Williams over the last two seasons. That's excellent. The bad news, the bad stat for Aaron Jones Aaron Rodgers just turned down a lucrative contract extension and is, has shown no indication that he's coming back to the Packers. We don't know what to make of it right now. So I don't have a bad stat on Aaron Jones, Dave. It's just a bad situation, I guess, potentially. But um, he does he has seen an increase in the passing game when Williams hasn't played. So what are your thoughts on Jones, who's RB11 right now?
2: I, I think having him at RB11 is a little too low because I think he will see more targets in the passing game. It can either be from Aaron Rodgers, who has leaned on the running backs in the passing game in the past, not necessarily to a crazy high degree, but if if A.J. Dillon isn't catching a lot of those passes, then w- when I heard that pace, it was 67 catches, you said? Yes, that's pretty good. I'll take in, that. In 16 I,
0: games, a little I think, more I
2: think he almost needs something like that because I am worried about a slight touchdown regression. Uh, if he's going to share with A.J. Dillon, it just makes sense that A.J. Dillon handles some short yardage goal line work. Not all of it, but some of it. Last year, for an example, uh, on goal-to-go carries, Aaron Jones was 3 of 8. So that's somewhere where the Packers could look at it and say, well, let's see what the big guy can do if the big guy does well at it that's going to be a loss of touchdowns for Aaron Jones when he gets close to the goal line. Not that he got them all anyway. Devonte Adams had plenty of them last year to begin with. Uh, the other thing that I like about him is that he's been a pretty good stat producer, good consistency. He was fifth in PPR points per game last year. He was at 17 PPR points per game. I think he delivers. And I think he delivers, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But even if he's not, this team will turn into a more conservative, run-centric type of squad. And when they are playing from behind, It'll be easy for Jordan Love to hit Aaron Jones with those short passes. That'll lead to PPR points. I think he's, I, I think he'd be worthy of being RB11 or maybe a little bit later than that if there's no Aaron Rodgers. And we for sure know that Aaron Rodgers won't be with the Packers. We don't know that yet. Hasn't been traded yet. Um, he hasn't ruled out returning yet. Uh, his country club membership automatically renewed. Who knows what the hell any of this means? But until Aaron Rodgers makes it clear that he's not going to play, he doesn't show up for all of training camp. Let's say, I, I can't worry about what the future holds for Aaron Jones, and I'm going to draft him like Rodgers will be there.
1: Me? Yeah, yeah, dude, just go for it. Good morning. Chris. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think you have to look at the cost benefit analysis from Rodgers' situation. You know, the the country club membership that's probably like more than our salaries combined. It's not. <laughs> oh. That's not a lot. But on the other hand, I've got a lot of recurring subscriptions, and I couldn't tell you what they all are. And so, my five ninety nine Apple TV subscription might be the equivalent of Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> golf court country club membership. So, you know, you, it's hard to say whether that really matters. Now, I, I think Aaron Jones is being drafted somewhere close to his floor, and if he did catch uh, sixty seven passes, I just kind of changed. You know, did a quick. Look at my projections. If he caught sixty-seven passes um, and kept his yards per reception steady, he'd be RB four for me, <laughs> uh, just ahead of Austin Eckler, just behind Dalvin Cook. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know with Aaron with, with Aaron Rodgers, like the only guy who's really done what we're worried he might do is Le'Veon Bell, right? Like, just didn't show up, didn't play a whole season. We, it almost never happens, right? right. And so, yeah,
0: but it, right, but what if it's like four games?
1: You know. I don't think that changes Aaron Jones' outlook. Okay. If he gets thirteen games with Aaron Rodgers and only four without him, I I think they're gonna run the ball with him a ton early on if that's the case, knowing that Aaron Rodgers is gonna be back anyway. So mm-hmm. I I think at RB eleven he's a great value.
0: All right. Last one, Leonard Fournette, RB thirty five in ADP. We'll get to another Tampa Bay Buck here. He's between Damian Harris and Zach Moss. He's actually two two running back spots behind Ronald Jones. So it goes Jones, Damian Harris, Fournette, and then Zach Moss. The good stat on Leonard Fournette, the playoffs, 300 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 148 yards and a touchdown receiving in four games. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry. He was terrific in the playoffs. That's the last time we saw Leonard Fournette. The bad is that in 10 regular season games that he played with Ronald Jones healthy, He scored double-digit non-PPR fantasy points once. He scored double-digit PPR fantasy points twice in 10 games with Ronald Jones. He scored five or fewer PPR fantasy points five times. So he was mostly useless when Ronald Jones was healthy. Chris, um, yeah, in between Damian Harris and Zach Moss for Leonard Fournette, your thoughts?
1: Was was Ronald Jones healthy in the postseason? And was what they did in the postseason – a revelation of Bruce Arians revealed preferences, where you know he can say whatever he wants, but when the game's got most important, the game's got toughest, he leaned on Leonard Fournette heavier. I think the issue with Fournette and Jones comes down to the fact that uh, they are very much the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. They like they're not the exact same player. Fournette's probably a little better in passing situations, but I think he's still pretty bad in those. And so, all things considered, there's just there's not much differenti- differentiation between them. And so I kind of feel like it's just going to continue to be the nightmare that it was last season where remember it was like week one. It was like, Oh, this is definitely Ronald Jones's job. And then after week two, Leonard Fournette got like that last drive and I was like, uh Oh, Leonard Fournette's coming to take it. it. Just like it never really settled. There was maybe a three week stretch where Jones really was the lead back. There was that time where Fournette was a, a healthy scratch. So Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just going to be hot hand, hot hand, and there's not enough difference between the two of them to to know ahead of time who's going to be the guy at any given moment.
2: You forgot about the most important thing, and it's what they did this offseason, bringing yeah, G- in Giovanni Bernard, exactly. and I don't think they brought in Giovanni Bernard to only play sparingly. I think that he can fill that passing downs role. He's a good pass blocker. He's a very good receiver out of the backfield. He can even run a little bit with the ball. So mm-hmm. he's he's going to have his role. That's a role that Ronald Jones will never touch again, and Fournette would have in the event that Gio gets hurt. So what's left on the bone for for these running backs? It's just the early downs rushing role, maybe short yardage goal line role. That's going to be in play too. I think all that favors Fournette just because I think the coaches trust him a little bit more. But my my, this is just a guess. I think it's going to be kind of like what you said, Chris. It's going to be uh, a competition in camp. Whoever has the hotter hand in practice gets to play more that week, at least at the start of the games. They'll probably rotate those two. Maybe they rotate a series where first series Fournette is the running down's back. Second series, it's Rojo. Third series Fournette, fourth series Rojo. Second half. Whoever did better in the first half plays a little bit more. We're not mm-hmm. going to know from week to week. It makes it hard to draft these guys in fantasy, hoping that they become number two running backs for your team. Okay. So you w- probably just shouldn't do it.
0: Would you draft would you draft Zach Moss or Damian Harris over a Bucks running back? I don't have
2: it right that way. And it's because I'm nervous about Harris's production in an offense uh orchestrated by Cam Newton. And I just I I think the Bills have resigned to not running the ball as much as most teams do. And so that means that Moss will split with Singletary, uh, the limited number of touches that they have. I, I I don't think any of the running backs you named are poised to be like top fifteen options, maybe not even top twenty options.
1: Yeah, I think you look at it like this. If if something were to happen to Leonard Fournette or to Ronald Jones, the other one would probably be a top twenty four running back. No doubt. I can't envision a world in which Damian Harris or Zach Moss, like top 24, I think they can be, but there's a lot of pretty scrubby running backs who end up in the top 24 just by, you know, entropy alone. I think, you know, Jones or Fournette could be top 12 guys in the right situation. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any way in which Damian Harris and Zach Moss our top 12 running backs for fantasy.
0: Well, Gio wasn't on the team last year, but when those guys got the feature work, when Jones was playing and Fournette wasn't, or Fournette was Mm -hmm. playing and Jones wasn't in the regular season, they were top 10 good. They were great. So that's to your point. All right. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll start our discussion. Highest upside versus highest floor. Uh, We'll look at your two running backs. We'll look at basically I picked a group of players from almost every round beginning in round two or three. And we'll just go down the list and debate highest upside versus highest floor and how much you should pay attention to that on draft day. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today.
3: Or a lot. to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
0: So let's start with a group of, of your two running backs. Who has the highest upside? Who has the highest floor? Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Elair, DeAndre Swift. Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Elair, DeAndre Swift. Who is the highest upside?
2: I'll say Gibson does. I think Gibson can work his way into an every-down role on a good football team where he can catch a lot of passes and get short yardage goal line
0: work. Chris, highest upside. Gibson, Edwards-Elair, Swift. I think it's probably
1: Swift. Um... I just think he could be Austin Eckler-esque with more running work in a a best-case scenario. And I I think Gibson could be that, but we've seen Swift have that role in the passing game that we haven't seen from Gibson yet. So I feel a little more comfortable uh, projecting that for a best-case scenario.
0: And who's got the highest floor, Gibson, Edwards-Elair, or Swift?
1: that one I do think is Gibson. I think it's Gibson, too.
0: Well, there you go. That's for Dave. That means Gibson I mean, that, he's
2: right to, at the top of the yeah. list among those three. So, of course, makes sense to have him there.
0: Uh, well, I don't know that you're, that's always going to be the case, right? If you have some player ranked higher, you might think someone behind him has more upside. But I think that it's a pretty clear cut for you that Gibson's number one of those three. And, uh, yeah, Chris, who's your favorite then? Who, who are you ranking highest, Gibson, Edwards, either, or Swift?
1: I actually do have Ceh slightly higher, but I mean, you're talking about the difference between him and Gibson in my rankings or my projections is 1.2 points, and then Swift wow. is six points behind them. So it's there's very there's very little difference between like probably RB nine and RB 17. Yeah, in but I projection. I know
0: I know that, but if you did not name Edward Zelaya as having the highest upside or the highest floor in this trio of running backs, should that should you then go away from your projections and take Gibson or Swift ahead of him?
1: Um, Maybe. I, I do think it might be a situation where his floor and his ceiling are just slightly lower than each of the other twos. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really comes down to how much more can they use him? and Will they use him in the passing game? I, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to uh, upside, especially for, for CEH.
2: I think he's got to get used more in short yardage goal line situations too. Sure. If he doesn't, if he he can be used more in the passing game and not have that goal line work and still not hit the the ceiling that fantasy managers kind of lay out for him. Yeah, he needs both of those things. And Gibson has the goal to go role. He he had it last year. I assume he's going to have it again. I don't think Peyton Barber, sorry Adam, or J (laughs) D. McKissick are going to be are going to be in line to to take that work away from him. And I think both of these guys have a chance to grow their passing game role. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I've got Gibson ahead of Edwards-Elaire. I, I really like the talent of Edwards-Elaire. I think the offensive line is going to be awesome in Kansas City. But that's a team that's got, you know, the generational quarterback. They're not going to get away from him. And last year was proof of that, mm-hmm. especially near the goal line.
0: Okay, next up, let's go with four wide receivers being taken in round two or three. We're going highest upside and highest floor. Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf. Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown. Ridley, Metcalf, Jefferson, and Brown. Highest upside, Dave.
2: I will say Calvin Ridley has the highest upside. I We've seen it. We saw it last year. He had 20.1 PPR points per game in the seven games without Julio Jones on the field for Atlanta. We know he doesn't have Julio on the field with him this year. He's got Kyle Pitts with him. I think he can still hit that average and still see a ton of targets in a, a high volume passing attack. I don't think the Falcons are going to turn into a rushing team just because the guy that used to call plays for the Titans is now the play caller for the Falcons. And I, I think he's got potential for just a game breaking type year where he gets 140 plus targets, flirts with a hundred catches gets well over 1300 yards and hits double digits and touchdowns. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I think Ridley is, is the choice actually for both, but specifically for the upside, he led the NFL in air yards last season. And I think he was like 300 above the number two guy. Um, and now you could say that he didn't score as much as a lot of those guys. So, you know, maybe that's uh, a question of whether he'll be able to hit that upside. But I, I really do think that he's going to be a legitimate alpha wide receiver like all of these guys are, but in an offense that throws a lot more, and airs it out, you know, throws downfield more. And so when you're talking about what constitute upside for a wide receiver, I think Calvin Ridley has all of that in his favor. I think the
2: question's more interesting if you take Ridley out of it. Okay. The receivers that are left are Jefferson, Metcalf, and A.J. Brown? Yes. I don't know if I can answer which one has the highest upside. You can make the case for each one of them. If Metcalf got the volume, he would easily, I think he'd beat out Jefferson and, and A.J. Brown. Jefferson was amazing last year. The Vikings threw a ton last year. I'm not sure they're going to have to throw as but they much didn't, this though. year. They didn't throw. They didn't throw a ton. Defenses. I think it they felt were, like they did. They, they, <laughs> threw, a ton, know, they threw a ton. Now they threw a ton
0: late in the year when he really st- last eight games. Kirk Cousins threw like 38 times a game. That's a lot. So, or 36, so, but that is a lot. But for the season, but I don't think
2: that happens over the course of 21.
0: No, but for the season, they were they had the sixth fewest pass attempts in the NFL. So it was a tale of, uh, literally, first half, very, very run-heavy. Second half, they threw the ball a lot. And he was much better in the second half. Um, Makes but he sense. Did, yeah. Uh, but, and Brown is yeah. just
2: a hell of a player who's got awesome efficiency metrics on his side. I think the Titans do throw a little bit more than they did last All right, so I'm going to make you pick
0: one, Dave. Who's got the highest upside between Jefferson, Metcalf, and Brown?
2: I will say DK Metcalf, but that's going to be based on him just being such a difficult matchup in – Uh, On the field for defenses to deal with and the Seahawks potentially they're changing their passing scheme for sure, but it's on the hunch that they throw, you know, 55% of the time, which for them
0: is a lot. Okay, Chris, who has the highest floor Metcalf Jefferson or Brown?
1: Um I think it's brown for both just the the insane levels of efficiency that he's shown so far in his career like DK Metcalf has been awesome he's been really really efficient he's at 9.6 yards per target AJ Brown's at 11.2 <laughs> Um I think what it comes down to is I just I think AJ Brown is the best player of the three of these guys and I think he might he might be just the next best wide receiver in football for the next 5 years and like Justin Jefferson, again, had this incredible rookie season where he averaged 11.2 yards per target. That's what A.J. Brown's done over the course of two whole seasons with, you know, over 190 targets. He's just what he's shown us so far is like Julio Jones' levels of efficiency, except with a bunch of touchdowns, too. Okay. When you
2: talk about the efficiency for A.J. Brown, I just want to put this out there. He's been in the league just for two seasons. He's been top 10 in yards after catch per reception, yeah. yards per route run, and missed tackles forced each of those two seasons. Last year, he was top eight in both red zone touchdowns and inside the 10 touchdowns among wide receivers. Well, and AMC. now he's got Julio Jones playing opposite
1: him. So you usually don't see guys who get a lot of deep targets or guys with a deep average depth of target get a lot of yak as well. Those two things have an inverse correlational mm-hmm. relationship. Sure. A.J. Brown and it's like A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson last year, George Kittle, Darren Waller, a couple other guys are like it's rare to be able to do both. And A.J. Brown is one of the best at both or at the combination of both. So that's really where it's like, oh, this guy is like potentially a Hall of Famer, frankly. Wow. Terrific. Okay,
0: uh, let's go to our next group of players here. I got three wide receivers and a running back, but I have two Bears and two Cowboys. So who's got the the highest upside and highest floor? Allen Robinson and David Montgomery, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Robinson, Montgomery, Lamb, and Cooper. When you look at this group, Dave, who has the highest upside?
2: For fantasy, David Montgomery has the highest upside mm-hmm. because of just the nature of how running backs rack up points. And we saw from him last year when he had favorable matchups down the stretch. We've talked about it a dozen times. He was on fire. And now there's talking, there's talk in Chicago that they want to keep feeding him the football. And when, when the game is going the bears way, he's going to be the one that gets a lot of touches. I don't know how many games are going to go the bears way this year, but I suspect they will be in a bunch of competitive games. And that'll still help Montgomery rack up both carries and catches. He averaged four and a half targets per game, whether Tariq Cohen was healthy or not, whether they had an easy schedule or not. Wait a uh, second.
0: Wait. He did not average four and a half targets per game when Tariq he did Cohen.
2: in his first nine games, but that, so maybe but some but of those games not, were without Tariq yeah, Cohen on the field. Six
0: of those games were without Tariq Cohen on the field. I'm pretty sure. We'll
2: see. Uh, we'll see if that number dips this year with Tariq Cohen there. I, I suspect that they still feed him the football through the air maybe not four and a half but it could be three and a half so it could lead to three catches per game for montgomery you'll take that goal line roll that's, that's his lead role that's his offensive line isn't bad i i think that when you're talking about upside for all these guys i think montgomery's got the chance to get more yards than any of these receivers and more touchdowns than any of these receivers
0: chris you agree
1: yeah although it, it what complicates it is the fact that he barely outscored Allen Robinson last season, which I was shocked to see. He was like one and a half points ahead. He did play one fewer game. That's PPR. Yeah. And PPR. So,
0: right. You know, uh, Allen Robinson's almost a lock for 150. Now with an extra game, probably 160 targets. He's been 150 plus two straight years with Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I guess I could see an argument that in a full PPR league, he could have, you know, 60 more catches than David Montgomery or something like that. And, and, and thus would have more upside. Uh you know, I I mean obviously the running back but the thing is the running back's easier to make the case. I think Robinson's going ahead of Montgomery. Yeah. in ADP. Sure. So, um all right, then let's we can shift our attention to the highest floor in this group. Is that Robinson? Robinson, yeah. Montgomery, Lamb and Cooper?
2: Yeah, for me, it's Robinson because of the target share that he's had the past two seasons and what he's done with it with bad quarterbacks the past two seasons. 16.1 PPR points per game in 2020, 15.5 in 2019. I'm sure he'll fall at least to 15.5 as a floor this year. With Dalton and Justin Fields there, and he's going to continue to get force-fed targets. It's kind of an easy case. He's kind of a no-brainer pick. When when you're up and there isn't a running back you love, and there isn't a receiver you love, and the top three tight ends are gone, and you don't feel like taking a quarterback, it's an instant smash on the draft button.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or unless you want to say, hey, the the Cowboys are going to throw for a thousand more yards than the than the uh, Bears, and maybe. Seriously, maybe 15 more touchdowns. You know, it wouldn't shock me if the Bears had 20 touchdowns and the Cowboys had 35, or maybe that's 37 and 22, something like that. Unless you want to say, hey, I'd rather have Cooper or Lamb. I, it's not being drafted that way. But I guess I could see a case that, that Robinson... I just made the case that he does have the upside because of all the targets, but even <clears throat> with those targets, he hasn't been really a stud on a per game. Base. He's been really, really good. But I would not well, neither, call neither have
1: Cooper or Lamb. Um, no. I guess Cooper wasn't Unless that four you at four five games. Right, like, right, right, right. The they small weren't going to keep throwing for 6,500 yards or whatever they were on pace for. And then, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation where we love these guys and we think they're awesome. I, I think Michael Gallup's getting a little overlooked. You know, in that he, like, the way we talk about Antonio Brown, I think Michael Gallup should be talked about the same way as a guy who, being the third guy in the offense could be a really useful fantasy option. And and that's one thing that Chicago doesn't have is really a second guy, let alone a third guy, depending on how much you like Darnell Mooney. Sure.
2: They've got a bunch of guys who are going to fill in to be the second guy each week. Yeah. I yeah. think there could be a few weeks where Montgomery ends up being that second guy.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So. Between Robinson, Montgomery, Lamb, and Cooper, it seems like you're not taking one of the Cowboys first. But if Robinson and Montgomery are sitting there, you already have one running back and one receiver. Who are you taking?
2: Because of position scarcity, I might lean toward Montgomery. But the the, the answer is really Robinson because he's the safest play of, and he still has some good upside. Like If you were to tell me, I told you Montgomery had the highest upside. I think the second highest upside is Robinson.
0: Okay. Yeah. And the high combined with the highest floor, he gets the number. Combined nut. with the highest floor. Okay, next group: Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Josh Jacobs, and Travis Etienne. Two wide receivers, two running backs. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne. Who has the uh, the highest upside in this group, Chris?
1: I, I may be alone on this one, but I think it's Julio Jones walking away. I, I just. He is so efficient. They're going to be so concentrated in targets. I think he's still going to be a 135, 140 target guy. Um, And for once, he's not the best red zone guy. So maybe he actually does score nine touchdowns this season. Um, Hmm. I I think it's Julio.
2: I think it's Julio, too. If he stays healthy for 17 games, uh, I I think there's no doubt that he'll still see a high target share. I don't think it'll be quite as high as he had in Tennessee. Percentage wise it will be, but not overall number. Uh, but I think that his touchdowns could still hit eight, nine, maybe ten. Can he get ten touchdowns for once in his career? Wouldn't that be special? Or twice in his career? Seventeen uh,
1: games. What I guess you he told me help, James or? Robinson only played two games. That's the that's the only other way I could I could argue. You can yeah. make the case for ETN, I, sure.
0: I should uh I should have said this. I don't think I did. I want to do this exercise as if nobody's getting injured yeah. this year. It's yeah. easy to say, well, this if he gets sure, hurt, but we talked.
2: We've already talked about how injuries can impact other players and and Not whatnot. Much. But you're Not
1: that right,
3: much.
2: right. I think overall, when we're talking upside and floor, we can't say, well, if this guy gets hurt, then then yes, of course. I think that goes without saying that if if James Robinson were to miss the, almost the whole season, that ETN would have the highest upside. As yeah. things stand, but part of the reason why I think Julio has the highest upside is because if he stays healthy, he'll get there.
1: Yeah. We don't yeah. know
2: if he can stay healthy. If, if, no. You know, I don't think anybody's drafting Julio Jones expecting him to play seventeen games.
0: I, okay, I think if you want to make a case that this player that we're talking about is injury prone, I guess that's one thing. Um, but if you want to say, well, if Kenyon Drake gets hurt, then Josh Jacobs, we can't go through all the scenarios where I give you four players well, and you start talking about all their teammates getting hurt. That's, that's what I also
1: meant. that gets into the nature of the discussion. Julio Jones might have the highest upside, but because of the recurring nature of the hamstring injuries he suffered last season, he probably can't be the safest.
0: So who is Godwin, Julio Jones, Jacobs, ETN? Highest floor.
2: I think it's Godwin and PPR.
1: I think it's either Godwin or Jacobs. It would be Jacobs and non-PPR. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right, this group, this next group, this is really where I start to scratch my head a little bit in drafts. DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. Dave, most upside.
2: Uh, I want to say Lockett because kind of because we saw last year how like his end of season numbers were amazing. If if we're not looking for consistency from a player, we're just looking for a guy that's going to end the year with a huge average and, you know, a lot of fantasy points. I think it is Lockett just by his nature, the way that he plays where he'll have a bunch of dud games and then he'll break out for three touchdowns and 180 yards in a game.
0: I love hate this group so much. So again, it's DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Cooper cup, Tyler Lockett, Chris, who do you think has the most upside?
1: I, I think it's more just cause I, I think he's so incredibly talented. Like I think in the right situation, he could absolutely, absolutely be the next Stefan Diggs type breakout. I think he's that kind of talent. Um, And maybe Sam Darnold makes a Josh Allen like leap and that can happen. But I I think it's a pretty low probability event.
0: Who has the highest floor? More Deontay Johnson, Cup and Lockett.
1: I think now with
2: Akers being hurt, I'm comfortable saying Cup in PPR. Yeah,
1: that's what I was going to say. I, think it's, I It's either Cup or Johnson gets so many targets. I know, thing. I know. And so
2: it, I, I agree. I think it's down to those two for safest floor. But I, I feel like we have to ignore last year for Cup because he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. He still had a ton of targets. He did very well in terms of target share per game. He was top 12 in that stat. Um, he's still a good slot receiver. That's still going to be somebody that's going to be a focal point of the offense, a upgrade at quarterback with Matthew Stafford there now. And without acres there, I feel like Sean McVay is going to have a license to just call pass plays at will. And it's going to help, especially in the red zone. And that's where cup was a stud two years ago, three years ago was in the red zone. He's going to be able to pick up that role a little bit more now because of the run game question mark in L.A.
0: I was kind of excited to be on the anti-Stafford Island. I was going to basically just be the guy who never had Stafford and thought he was going way too high. I really think the Akers injury changes that outlook.
2: 100%.
0: Yeah, I just don't think they're going to have as good of a running game, especially if Daryl Henderson can't stay healthy. Which is already a problem.
1: You know, he wasn't. Adam, we're not talking about other players' injuries, though. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's. No, Cup, but is, but this Cup injury is absolutely actually my favorite <laughs> of this group, and he was before the the mm-hmm. injury. Cup's been a top 15 wide receiver for me basically since the first time I did my projections. Um, but I wait, think him it, and I, Robert Woods are going to have awesome seasons.
0: It's hard for me to say that Cup's safer than Lockett because they both, at the end of the year, get their numbers, you know?
1: I think part of it comes down to um, I guess I'm assuming Lockett's older, but I don't. Yeah, he's a year older, so it doesn't really matter that much. But, you know, they're both 28, 29. Lockett will be 29 by week four or something. Um, So, you know, they're just at the age where you think, well, the decline might start now. Um, I do think Deontay Johnson, you could make a case for him having both the highest floor and the highest ceiling just because, He's the only one of these guys who realistically could catch 120 passes in a 17-game season. And it's a question of whether one, he can be more efficient with those catch passes and not drop, you know, 10% of them like he did last season, and find a little more room to operate in an offense that maybe won't be quite so conservative as it was last season. I do think Deontay Johnson has, you know. Not Michael Thomas's best seasons, but the sub-peak Michael Thomas seasons, given the target volume he could get. I think the argument could be made that he's second best in both categories. Sure. I just
0: don't know how to evaluate Pittsburgh last year versus Pittsburgh this year. I think they're going to try to have a different offense. More running well, and more downfield yeah. throwing. They're going to the, try.
2: They ha- They're absolutely going to do more running because they barely did running they barely yeah. did running. They barely ran the ball last year. It was 20.1 running back rush attempts per game. And that was among the lowest in the league. Roethlisberger and the quarterbacks in Pittsburgh, 41-something pass attempts per game. That was the highest by over an attempt per game from Dallas last year. So they're definitely going to run the ball more. Mm-hmm. That's been an edict from the front office all the way down. And it's it's going to hurt the overall target numbers for all three of those receivers.
0: All right, let's go to our next group here. It's three tight ends. Highest upside, highest floor. TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews. What do you got? Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews. Dave, who has the highest upside?
2: The highest upside is the rookie who is falling into this very nice role in Atlanta. Team, we've already talked about it with Calvin Ridley. They're going to throw the ball a solid amount this year, if not like a crazy high amount. He's going to be a difficult matchup. There will be some growing pains with him. He's a rookie tight end. These things happen. But he's he still has the upside to finish the year with. This sounds crazy when you think about rookie tight ends, so just bear with me on it. But potential is there for him to get over 1,000 yards in 17 games, to get yeah. eight touchdowns oh, yeah. in 17 games, to get over 65 catches in 17 games. It might be more like 75 catches over 17 games. He's going to get used a ton. And, yes, I think they'll throw a lot. And the... Arthur Smith, you remember what he did with tight ends? He used them quite well in Tennessee last year. He's going to do the same thing in Atlanta.
0: Chris, who is the highest floor of those three tight ends, Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts?
1: I think it's Andrews. And I I think that probably puts me out of the consensus because I would guess Hawkinson with his expected role would be viewed as the highest floor guy. But... Andrews, even given the the relatively low target share, he's been so efficient. And the connection between him and Lamar Jackson has been so good, with the exception really of like a weird five games to start last season that I don't think he has the upside of either Hawkinson or Pitts because I just don't think the target upside is there. But if you're talking about who can I rely on, who do I feel most confident in relying on as a starting 10-end out of this group, I think it is Andrews because of what should be a very high touchdown rate uh, and a very efficient role in the offense. So who are you guys
0: drafting first of these three tight ends?
1: It's
2: format dependent for me. If it's PPR, I'm taking Hawkinson, then Andrews, then Pitts, which means I'm probably not getting Pitts. In non-PPR, I currently have it as Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts. I am thinking about moving Pitts ahead of Hawkinson and non PPR. I agree with Chris. I think that the target volume for Hawkinson is going to be huge. I think that's, that, that's what you have to hope for. When you take Hawkinson is that he just gobbles up targets this year.
1: Yeah. I've got it ranked Andrews, Hawkinson Pitts in both formats, actually.
0: And what? Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's go to these running backs. Now we're in the mid rounds, rounds five, basically round five. Maybe chase Edmonds does not make it into round five, but I've got five running backs. So this is a big group who has the the most upside. Mike Davis, Kareem hunt, miles Gaskin, Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds, so it's Davis and Gaskin who get lumped together all the time. Kareem Hunt, now Daryl Henderson and Chase Edmonds. Chris, who would you say has the highest upside?
1: I think it's Kareem Hunt, obviously. Um, Wait a second, but that's no playing the no chub injury,
0: no chub injury.
1: Sure, but that's the only case for Kareem Hunt having the upside. But it you have to take it into account when you're playing with him because he doesn't need multiple injuries. He just needs like. If he just gets a chance. But sure, if we want to say that, no injuries. If everybody stays healthy, it's probably not Kareem Hunt. It's probably. It's tough. <sighs> it's tough. This is tough. <laughs> Henderson, but I think it's a lot easier to answer who has the highest floor, which is nobody. Like, I, I don't think you can look at any of these five guys and assume that you can feel confident that they'll be a number two running back all season because there's just. Uh, like, the answer to that might be Hunt uh, just because the other guys could all just be out of the rotation after a few weeks. I could see that happening with any of them. Oh, so I don't know
0: about with Henderson.
1: There's I mean, not a
0: lot of competition there.
1: There isn't a lot of competition, yes. but like I just I don't know, maybe other people view him differently, but I feel like the Rams kind of view him as just he's just there at this point. Um although I guess maybe the fact that they didn't bring anybody to back him up behind, you know, him and and Akers Maybe that is a vote of confidence in Henderson. I don't know. I think. Um, I guess maybe it's Henderson for both. I don't. I don't feel super strongly about either one.
2: I think not having anybody behind Henderson is just a byproduct of them not having draft capital because they've spent it all to True. get in to get guys like Jalen Ramsey on their team. I I, I think I'm I'm going to go against my rankings here. I think the guy with the highest upside, not including Nick Chubb injury, is Henderson. And I think the guy with the safest floor is also Henderson, just based on, as of now, th- there isn't anybody there that's going to take Henderson off the field. I agree with you, Chris. It's it's one of the reasons why I don't have Henderson ranked particularly high. I think the Rams coaching staff isn't in love with Daryl Henderson. Yeah. Uh, the, the evidence of that is how they didn't give Henderson a role once Cam Akers was healthy and back in the swing of things. And maybe that was just because Akers was so good. But I just I feel like they've seen enough of Henderson to know that he he can play at the NFL level. They just don't necessarily trust him to do everything at the NFL level. They barely let him play on third downs. He was okay in pass protection when he did have pass protection. He's had 30 pass protection snaps over his career. So he doesn't get that role a lot. Everybody is pointing to him, well, he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. That was true in college. He hasn't caught a lot of passes in yeah, the I NFL. yet. Uh, the the one thing that I do like about Henderson is that he was successful in short yardage situations, like well above most running backs over the past couple of years, and I can bring up those numbers. I think as lo- the Rams don't really have a choice right now. Like their options are Daryl Henderson or one of the free agent running backs that are out there or one of the unproven running backs they have on their roster, yeah. and maybe they wait for someone to shake free in uh, in in late August when cuts are made and they add somebody then. Maybe they call up Tampa Bay. and They say, "Hey, what do you want for Ronald Jones? You know, we we need a guy who can give us some yang to Daryl Henderson's yin." I'm I, I think that as it stands now, the coaching staff doesn't have a choice. They've got to use Henderson to uh, at least a moderate degree. I don't know if that means Man. that he's going to end up being like dominant, but if they really don't add anybody, that helps his upside because he'll play. Fifty-five percent of the snaps, let's call it. Maybe it'll be more like sixty-five percent of the snaps. And even yeah. if his floor, his floor is still pretty good because if they don't add anybody, he's still going to play fifty-five percent of the right, snaps. He's right. got to stay healthy through uh, it. All. Yeah, I'm yeah. just
0: surprised that we haven't had Chase Edmonds here. You know that you guys didn't say him. If the reports are the the report is accurate, that it's not really a competition, and that he is the starting running back, or he's going to be the starting running back for the Cardinals.
2: But is he going to be the every down back for the Cardinals? And is he going to work short yardage goal line? I think he's had one career carry inside
0: the five. He's going to get the catches, but the goal line is the question. Yeah. All right. Um, catches. All right. That's a good discussion on that group. And it, it didn't inspire a lot of confidence in
1: drafting those running backs. The price has got to be right. But they yeah, don't have upside. When you're drafting, I think Henderson's got to be the choice now. Um, he's he's the easiest one to see getting to a top 12 finish, I think. 19 for 25
2: on all downs, three yards or closer last year. And goal to go uh, from inside the three, four for seven on converting, and three for four from one yard out. So that's
0: pretty good. It is. And I think that that's probably honestly speaks to the offensive line as well. Yes. He's, you know, watching a lot of him yesterday, and Dave, and you know, I know you watch a ton of film, and Chris, you do too. He doesn't have, a, in my opinion, a great burst but once he gets going he's got he's big he's a big dude once he gets going he can be pretty dangerous so i think he's going to need his offensive line to be good and luckily he should have a good offensive line daryl henderson um would you basically agree with that analysis of him i'm not a film shark but
2: i'm not sure if i'm ready to say he's got i think quantifying his offensive line as good is fair
0: like Well, that's, pff that's has them eight uh, yeah, no, I just, as he's not like a burner like right out of the gates, but because he's, he's true bigger, too, right?
2: He, he doesn't instantly accelerate.
0: Yeah, but he can get going. Once you give him a little space, he can, he can make things happen. All yeah, right. And that
2: speaks to his efficiency. When you look at his, you know, like yards per carry and yards per catch, it's helped those numbers.
0: Let's do a little more here. Let's do a few more. Um, how about most upside DJ Chark, Jerry Judy, Robbie Anderson and Devontae Smith. DJ Chark, Jerry, Judy, Robbie Anderson, Devontae Smith. Who is the most upside? Judy.
1: I I think there's a a pretty decent chance we're talking about him as a top 12 wide receiver next season. It's going to depend on quarterback. Well, I guess, can we do no injuries, no Aaron Rodgers trades? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Sure. Uh, No, I, I just, I think he's such... a a ridiculously talented wide receiver and the issues that he had last season, specifically with drops, I I don't have any concerns about that. It wasn't really a problem for him in college. It was really just one game where he dropped, what, five or six passes? Uh, And then they went back to him and he had arguably his best game of the season the following week. So I don't think that matters. I think he, the fact that he was targeted so much and the fact that he was open so much is what matters there. The QB play is the question. I think the drops were, you know, a Jerry Judy issue. They were a Drew Locke issue. I think Drew Locke is not good, but I'm hopeful that he can at least get better. But I'm very confident that the QB play will be better in Denver just because whether it's Drew Locke taking a step forward or whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, the floor is much higher in Denver than it was last season. And so I think Jerry Judy could, you know, he he could very easily put together an 85 catch. 1100 yard seven touchdown season and it wouldn't surprise me that much
2: judy had 113 targets last year 58.1 of those targets were catchable that was second worst among wide receivers who had at least 100 targets last year i i'm i'm kind of rooting for teddy bridgewater to get the job because i think he can throw a more accurate ball i think Uh that bridgewater and judy I think there have been reports that they've been connecting this offseason. They're both South Florida guys, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Us,
0: Hmm? we connect. We're South Florida guys. We are, and we do connect. Thank you very much. I I don't know how we
2: would connect on a football field. There were a lot of reports, pretty pathetic.
0: (laughs) There were a lot of reports about us connecting. Do you agree that Judy has more upside than Charlie Robbie Anderson Smith?
2: It it comes down to Judy or Devante, honestly. Yeah, but I just I've got a little bit more faith in Judy than I do in Smith. I really like Devontae Smith. I think he's going to be a really good fit in Philadelphia.
0: He's got the highest floor. Chark, Judy, Anderson, Devontae Smith.
2: I think with that one, you go with Robbie. So yeah. in, especially in PPR. just It's based on what we saw last year. The target yeah. volume that he had. The role in the offense. The fantasy production that he had. The consistency that he had. I think that he can keep that up for the most part. Uh, having having McCaffrey back might change those numbers a little bit. might make it worse a little bit. Having Donald at quarterback might make those numbers worse a little bit, but I still believe that he can get you modest production weekly. That could end up being good over the course of the season.
0: Okay. And we'll do a quarterback here. We haven't done this. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen hurts Rogers in the scenario starting week one for the Packers. Uh, Tom Brady, Rodgers, Jalen hurts most upside.
2: It <laughs> has to be hurts, right? For, for fantasy purposes, for the numbers that you get for rushing at quarterback, he's going to blow away the other two there. He's a candidate for 1,000 rush yards. And that's on top of whatever he does as a passer. And I think, I'm sure he's going to go through some skids this year passing the football. He'll be off target. And there could be a couple games where you look at how he does and you just puke all over the place. But I think he's also going to have some peak games where He's gonna have he's gonna be accurate. He's gonna look good. I think Devontae Smith is gonna help him look good. I think Rager is gonna help him look good. Goddard will help him look good. And I think that offensive line will give him time to be a, just a little bit more relaxed, have things slow down just a little bit more. And he gets that accuracy from from 19 yards in to go up a little bit. So I I, I think for as far as fantasy points go, not necessarily NFL game wins. <laughs> I, I think that Jalen Hurts has the highest upside.
1: It is always tough to answer a question like this because like Aaron Rodgers was QB one in total points and six points per passing touchdown league last season. Uh, he was at 29.9 per game. I think he was also QB one in points per game, if I'm saying it right. So it's like, well, how do you go against that? Does, does Jalen hurts have 30 point per game upside? You know, he, that would be what Lamar Jackson did in 2019. I really like Jalen hurts. I don't know if he can do that, but again, I don't know if Darren Rodgers can do 48 touchdowns and five interceptions again. So, I do think it's probably Hurts, but Rodgers being a close second.
0: I think it's definitely Hurts in four-point per passing touchdown leagues. Sure. And then you can have the debate in six-point. Matthews, uh, no, sorry, highest floor, highest floor between Brady, Rodgers, and Hurts. That's definitely not (laughs) Hurts. No. (laughs) Hurts could get benched.
1: I mean, is it the 43-year-old who's coming off a torn MCL? I guess, because yes. Aaron Rodgers yes. might not show up and Jalen Hurts could be benched by week four. Well, I also think you're going to get
0: so many more pass attempts from the Bucks than the Packers. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think it's, that's actually an easy one for me. Brady has the highest floor. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He has a higher floor than, than Aaron Rodgers. That's an easy one for me, sure. Why not? <laughs> All right, guys, I, real quick here. No analysis, just, just highest upside, highest floor. Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow. Highest upside, Tannehill,
1: uh, Burrow.
0: <laughs> yes, this is that is another tough one. All right, highest floor: Stafford, Tannehill, or Burrow.
2: After the Acres injury, Stafford.
0: I think so. <clears throat> I really wanted to be anti Stafford. I just don't <clears throat> think I could do it anymore. <laughs> Uh, I'm definitely pro the draft-a-thon, and you all should be too. This is an amazing thing that we've been doing. It's for an incredible cause. All the proceeds are supporting St. Jude. So our fourth annual draft-a-thon is on September 1st. Last year, we auctioned off a bunch of things, Zoom calls with our experts, being in a league with us, uh, smack talk videos, those types of things, and... Again, we've benefited St. Jude. If you have any ideas about what you would like to see auctioned off to incentivize donations to St. Jude, please leave your ideas on this YouTube video, tweet at us, or send us an email, cbsi.com. That is the letter I, CBSI.com. We will be auctioning off spots in next year's Scott Fish Bowl to compete against us. So that's next year, but it's still a pretty cool thing uh to, to be bidding on. Set, uh, September 1st is the draft a thon. I think we're gonna be having bidding before that, so just stay tuned and uh you know help Saint Jude. Speaking of that email address, here we go fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Ooh damn, I don't have a name or a city here. Dave, help me out.
2: Dolores from Orlando, Florida.
0: Dolores says hey Shadow, chance, and sassy.
1: Hmm. The incredible homeward bound yes is that right how do you know oh, that in good. the incredible journey that was a staple as a kid the 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 remake from the 90s with uh is that michael j fox i actually don't, don't sally know sally anything about this movie
0: <laughs> other than that it's about dogs uh yeah i was more of a milo and otis guy so i've been doing was that the name of the movie uh, I believe so, okay. yeah, but- <laughs> I hope so. I've been doing several mock drafts. Help me out with this situation. In round three, do I go with a wide receiver like Terry McLaurin or Allen Robinson or a second running back? Um, oh, this is from Drew, by the way. I'm Not sorry. Not Dolores? Not Dolores. Drew from the sports city <laughs> of there's always next year. I don't know where that is. Anyway, it's Cleveland. Do you take the running back... He said a second running back with Clyde Edwards-Elair, so I don't know. I mean,
2: maybe he meant to say a second running back like Clyde Edwards-Elair.
0: McLaurin, Robinson, or the running backs that go in that range. Maybe that's Dobbins, Montgomery, Carson, something like that.
2: Well, I'm looking at NFC ADP for July. The running backs that are there in the round four range are Carson, Jacobs, ETN.
0: Oh End I think Robinson or and McLaurin go ahead of them. This is a round three pick.
2: Yeah, let me finish making my point,
0: sir. <laughs> if you you're gone.
2: comfortable with any of those three running backs being your RB2, you take Robinson. If those over three McLaurin? running backs make you nervous Wait, over, for, over Robin, I would take Robinson over McLaurin. Interesting. Okay. okay. Uh, if if you are if you are totally comfortable with one of those running backs, maybe you disagree with us on Josh Jacobs. Then go ahead and take Robinson because one of those running backs should make it back to you in round four. But I'm always, I'm always concerned about my running back starters. I want to have good ones. You have to draft them early. <laughs> me too. I, I don't want to. I, I, <laughs> I. The receivers that are there in the round four range. Let me just run down this list for you. Uh, Mike Evans, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, DJ Moore is there. Deontay Johnson brings up the rear. I'm happy with any of those receivers as a consolation prize for not having Robinson or McLaurin and still getting a running back like C.E.H. or Dobbins or maybe even David Montgomery if it's late in round three.
1: I I just kind of think once you get past like 25 overall, maybe 30, maybe 20, depending on how you, you look at it, the running back is going to be worse than the wide receiver at pretty much every point in the draft after the first couple of rounds. It just kind of Wide re- and it's going to get more true as you go on. You know, the the thirtieth wide receiver is so so much better than the thirtieth mm-hmm. running back. You um, know what
0: though, Chris? There's there's actually it's. A, I think this is a really interesting subject. But thank if, you. If I yeah, it's probably worth debating earlier in a in a subsequent episode. But now that I don't know where Henderson's ADP is going to fall, but if you just look at where Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin are going, let me just mm-hmm. check. This might be an area where the running backs might actually shift to being better. Miles um, Gaskin, Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis, going with yeah, Jamar the, Chase, those guys are T. Going Higgins, in Brandon Ayuk, like sixty
1: to seventy-five range in NFC drafts. I don't think that's no, really how drafts are going to
0: happen. No, uh, the fifty—they're going fifty-seven to sixty. They're not okay. quite that low, but but that is an interesting spot because it's it's Jamar Chase, it's Brandon Ayuk, it's T. Higgins. Sure. And then it's Gaskin, Davis, and Hunt. And maybe Daryl Henderson is in that range too. And that's interesting because that's even more reason not to take a running back in round four. If you, like those- you can
2: wait for those guys in five. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, all right. But but overall, Chris makes a great point about wide receivers just being deeper and better. From Jay. Where's Jay from? Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Uh, Jay is Dolores' husband. I was finally able, finally able to get my league to ban kickers and add another flex. Does the second flex devalue the need to take a top three tight end?
1: Non PPR, non PPR. No, no. If anything, it. it, It Everybody's cruiser, right? Well, everybody still needs a tight end, and you're going to have like whatever gap you get from that top three tight end is. Your your second flex is probably going to be a wide receiver. The way it's going to work out is there are just so many wide receivers that the gap between like the 30th best wide receiver and the 50th best wide receiver is usually pretty small and it can come down to, you know, a couple of touchdowns over the course of a season. So you're not really I don't think you're really introducing any other tight ends into the fold. I think it's all fringy running backs or wide receiver four. I, I just want to um, say
0: this is a non PPR league. I don't know. sure, but so even I, then, I agree.
1: I actually do yeah. think that it devalues
0: the tight ends because it just running backs just get pushed up so much to me in, in these leagues, and then you add another flex.
2: I personally, those do- tight ends are still the top three tight ends are still going to be very popular picks. I don't think it changes a whole lot.
0: You don't think so in non PPR?
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. I'm not saying they necessarily are going to go in the same place that they would in PPR leagues. They're devalued because of the format, not because there's a second flex there but they're yeah, still I mean, going to be still, popular picks.
1: You're still looking at probably a, I don't know, 70 to 80 point gap between the best tight ends and the, the fringy tight ends over the course of a season. I guess you can make a case that it devalues them, but that gap is still pretty big. And I don't think running back gets deeper in a non-PPR league. I think it just makes the better running backs better if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah,
0: Waller, Waller in non-PPR last year was running back 13, mm-hmm. and Kelsey was running back seven, I think, and uh, he almost scored as many points as Aaron Jones, who was running back five. So even in non-PPR, they were outstanding. So that does, that goes, goes against what I was saying. Uh, and Matt from Best Virginia. That must be just regular Virginia.
2: Hmm.
0: Dear Kirk, Dalvin, Justin, and Ragnar,
2: Vikings.
0: <laughs> Ragnar. I don't have a fantasy question, but please enjoy the 2021 All Alliteration Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterback is Tua Tungavailoa.
1: Yep. Or Big Ben. Nah. Eh. Or Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins with a bad. K. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the same
0: letter. Running back Ezekiel Elliott and Chris Carson.
2: No, Josh Jacobs.
0: Good Not point. Not good enough yeah. for even this list. He's No, he's the flex. Oh, Wide receivers are Justin Jefferson, Julio Jones, and Chase Claypool. Yeah, those and are studs. The tight ends are Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry. Other than quarterback and tight ends, this is a damn good team. And Chase Claypool doesn't work. I So I thought alliteration was the same letter. You're saying it's the same sound? I think sound? it's the same sound. So Julio
2: Jones doesn't work either?
1: Yeah, I don't think Julio Jones works either.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. All right, got to I mean, check Cooper this Cup, out.
1: Cooper Cup works. Oh, wait a second. The occurrence
0: of the same letter or sound at the beginning of adjacent or closely connected words.
1: Yeah, no, but when I think you it's think sound, of I think it's sound. It's sound. I, think it's
0: sound. <laughs> I think it's sound.
2: I think it's sound too.
1: Yeah. So it's uh <laughs> Julio does you know, not work. Cooper Cup. Uh yeah. God, I feel like there should be more of these. Tyler Tockett. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh,
0: finally from Jake. I lost Cam Akers in my dynasty startup. Do you think my team is competitive or should I start my rebuild? A 12 team PPR, one quarterback league, semi empire, he says. Um, I got trade offers DK Metcalf for two first round picks in 2022 and Jalen Waddell. It's pretty interesting. Aaron Jones for Javante Williams and a first round pick in 2022 and Lamar Jackson for Trey Lance, and at least an early first. These are all really good trade offers. How do you, yeah, know, offers, how do you know it's but... going to
1: be an early first in 2022? You're giving yeah. the guy Lamar Jackson. And you're giving up D.K. Metcalf and Lamar Jackson, especially in their primes. I think Aaron Jones, uh, you know, yeah, he's if right on the borderline of when you should be looking to trade a running back.
0: D.K. Metcalf um, for two first-round picks and Jalen Waddell, though? Whew, that's, that's three first-round picks. Yep. Yeah, I think
2: if you if you're truly rebuilding, you take that trade and you take the Aaron Jones. You do, trade.
0: I do all of them.
2: Yeah, I, you, I you don't do know them. if you I do them. Going Lamar. crazy. You'd own half the first round next year.
0: I think that's so fun. All right, yeah, I, these are really great trades to consider. So uh, Jerry
1: Judy. Oh yeah, he's on the alliteration team. Keelan Cole. You start to run out of useful. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think you could count. You start to run out of useful options pretty quickly. Chris yeah. Conley.
0: Ezekiel. Does Ezekiel Elliott work? Braxton Berrios. Yeah. Braxton Berrios. <laughs> That's a fun game. Right, thanks for the email. Thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow with a mail that on fantasy football today. See ya.
2: Okay.